Hey, everybody, you're listening to NC Shop Talk brought to you by NC Carpet Binding. I'm your host, Mal Mayer. If you want to learn from some of the most innovative people in the industry and laugh a ton, then this show is for you. So let's get started. Hey, everybody, welcome back to NC Shop Talk after a two month layoff. I'm not positive, but I'm fairly confident we're going to play catch up a little bit and do two episodes this month. And before we dive into today's guest, I did want to mention that we've hit our two-year anniversary, which is big for me. And I really, really couldn't have done this without help. A huge thank you to all our guests, our fans of the show, guest hosts, The Hog Ring, and a special thanks to all those who subscribe and review the show on Apple, Spotify, and Google platforms. You know, if you like what you hear, we'd love for you to subscribe and the reviews would be greatly appreciated. Okay, so let's dive into our 31st guest. If you've noticed lately, I've been trying to get on different kinds of guests and to me, this is different. Um, And I hope you guys like it. A little bit of a different tack on questions and most shops, they specialize in one thing, right? Whether it's an engine builder, interiors, paint and body. Then there's a lot of guys who specialize in a few things and many car guys who can dabble a little bit and do it all. There's a good amount of companies nationwide that build cars locally or even statewide, which is big. Now there's a small group of car builders who produce high level award-winning custom cars and provide them to a nationwide customer base and even sometimes worldwide. Today's guest stands alongside the nation's best builders and has done so for almost two decades. And NC Shop Talk welcomes in Jonathan Goolsby, founder, owner, and operator of Goolsby Customs in Hueytown, Alabama. Jonathan, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, man. Um, a true honor to even be part of this, you know, and uh, happy birthday, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I picked up on it. I was writing your interview, and I said, huh, it's been just over two years. We started May 2021. Crazy, right? In like the heart of the pandemic, just about. Oh, yeah. And, uh, it goes fast. It Amazing how quick it goes. It really does. I, I didn't realize it flew by that quick. Um, you know, we traded a bunch of emails over the past month or so, but we've never really spoken. I don't think, did we ever meet at SEAM or anywhere else? I can't remember. I've, I've had so many concussions, so forgive me if oh, I forgot. SEAM is a big enough mess as it is, right? Right. Exactly. You can't hard to, hard to remember anybody there. Yeah. No, I've walked by and seen you, but it's, yeah, it's always been a, a passing by. I never really got to meet up uh, any chance yet. Yeah, we haven't exhibited there since, you know, 20, 2019 because yeah. the pandemic killed, you know, basically two years. And to be honest with you, I don't think we're going to exhibit again. There's just not enough guys in town that warrant us to go spend all that money and all that time, truthfully. You know, it took a while for us to build it up and uh, big, Hoggering was a big part of that. And it's just, yep. there's less and less interior guys in town. And it's, I'll be honest, also, it's so damn easy not to do it. That is a brutal <laughs> Really it, weak. It, there it is. There was um, that that COVID year that they got um, our booth kind of downsized, and then it finally they didn't. They just did so small they didn't need a car. So I just flew out there to hang out with BASF and handle some of the judging and stuff like that. And it nice. was the easiest week I have ever had at SEMA because I have no cars. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, I know it's 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 taxing slugging around all those machines. Even though we keep them in storage and they're still sitting there. I don't want yeah. to know what I'm paying in storage every year. Uh, I do you know, but I don't. I don't want to know. Don't uh, think about it. But it's just, it's just too much. I'll go out there. I dipped in last year for. I was in there less than 
30 hours total. And I was on, on SEMA site for four hours, I think, altogether. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. And then I was out. And that was it. <laughs> we did that party with, uh, party with Moore and Giles that night, and I flew out the next morning. Oh, that's a good deal there. Yeah, that was easy. Um, so Jonathan and I are going to be feeling each other out and learning about each other and having a good time yeah. with this episode, and I hope you guys love it. And I, I, I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a great one. My dealings with Goolsby started about a year ago when I got a call from Ben Weber, yep. interested in buying machines from us. Ben and I hit it off, had a great conversation, and I'm hoping for the same on the episode with Jonathan. And uh, <laughs> now we'll bring Ben in. Yeah, I'll we're going good so far. Right this is great for not having talk for. I'm I'm comfortable. Yeah. I'm ready. I just don't want to overstep my bounds or no. You know, uh, I have so many questions for you. I hope uh, you know. Uh, I hope we can get to them all or we can keep them all in there. But when I told people that we we're recording you, I got a bunch of requests. So we'll um, we're gonna pump some of those in here right now. That's cool. And basically the goal for today, I think what a lot of people wanted to know is kind of like the inside scoop on how you got started. We're going we're gonna to get into all that. I got all oh, kinds yeah. of dedicated yeah. questions, how you operate, how you continue to grow it, et cetera. So I think that's kind of be the general theme. Uh, a lot of shops want to know, you know, want to know how you, you know, built up this monster, so to speak. So starting out, um, well, that, that, hold on. Uh, that's a long one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a, bu- I got a bunch here. I'm rambling now. I'm just All right. Getting you warmed up here. Let's start at the beginning. Take us back to your childhood. Did you grow up in a family that was in the car scene? H- how long did it take before you got that car bug? Um, I did kind of grow up in cars a little bit, but it was more race cars, round track stuff, uh, asphalt. Uh, mainly my uncle raced a lot. So I grew up, um, older cars that way so back then he raced 70 monte carlos and so that would probably been the oldest car for me growing up with him doing that um from then it went um working with my uncle um he did a sheetrock boom truck service work and big forklift stuff okay. so that's where i picked up a lot of the painting aspects of uh car old cars was fixing the race cars because he would tear up a lot of them and it went, you know, that's where the car part started of it. Okay. So you got, I mean, you're young, like right from the get-go? I would say, yeah, probably around the 10, 11 year old. Cause I remember doing a bunch of the, the foot races on the front, stra- front straightaways and stuff like that against the other kids and all that. Oh, that's awesome. Did you know then you want to do something with cars or kind of was just, you just loved it? No, I, I I would say I did because I was always out in the garage, you know, pushing my uncle to do more. And my aunt would always come out and I would get the third degree because she was like, you know, quit pushing him, spend more money and this and that. So <laughs> that's awesome. I like that. Um, so you did start out if I, re- if my research, uh, you know, is correct. You started out uh, as a painter in a Chevy dealership, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I did. Body- I did, um, I started out as a paint helper straight out of high school and, um, you know, I did all the painting on these old cars and stuff at home for people, um, worked my way up to being a head painter at a dealership and, uh, stayed at that, you know, in and out of small shops through high school. And then once I graduated, I was at the, uh, actually premier Chevrolet that's not far from here and, um, worked my way up for a head painter and I was there for 11 years. So did you think. At that point, after that 11 years or maybe halfway through where you're really entrenched and you know you're good at it, did you think you were going to be a painter forever? Or did you have your eyes on a different horizon? Um, I, I stuck, I would say I stuck with, I was heavy on painting. 
I love painting. Um, I did the dealership stuff and then I had the shop at the house where I did classic cars, but I also did a bunch of race. I got into racing on my own. Um, and racing was kind of my hobby. So that, you know, I never looked past that. It was painting cars and working on old cars at the shop at the house and working a dealership and weekends was hit whatever races I could go to. While you're painting, do you feel like you, in your prime of it, after years of getting, you know, getting your feet wet in it, did you feel like you were better than anybody else? No, I really didn't. It was, I, I had, I had good feedback from, I'd say everybody local, you know, cause I was, you know, I guess, I guess I did a good job, you know, and all the locals that had hot rods and stuff like that would reach out to me. So that's recommend you. That's cool. Yeah. So. That speaks volumes right there. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I looked at as I was kind of the hometown hot rod painter. No way. Okay. Was there a particular point in the painting where it like served as a springboard to something else in your career or it just kind of happened? Towards what led to owning a business? Yeah. Like after the painting, what was the next step? <sighs> Really, that was it. I still do all the painting to this day at the shop now. Okay. Um, really, the next step was business, straight out of that, and that was a whole other story of how I even got there. How did you want? How did you know you were gonna just, you know, leave the dealership and and start on your own? What was kind of what was that springboard? Going back to what I said before. Um. So there was this local guy that I did a bunch of thirty-three model Buicks for, and um, I'll give him credit for a lot of it because. I wasn't ready to go out on business. Um, he come to me and he said, Hey, this body shop down the street is for sale. And I'm just like, yeah, I know about it, but I'm not, you know, I'm doing my thing, you know? And he comes up and he says, no, I'm going to buy it. He said, you're going to go and start owning it. You're going to buy it from me. I'm going to do, it was 7% interest for 10 years. And Ooh, here's the, okay. here's the layout. Um, here's how much your monthly bill is going to be. He says, it's time for you. And this stuck with me too. And I tell a lot of people. Wow. So this guy believed in you. Was he like a close friend or just someone that knew how good you were? Um, really is just a customer that I'd painted a bunch of cars for. And he, he come to find out he's helped a lot of people that he's seen potential in. Wow. Get started and did the same thing. And, um, he actually owned a furniture store, you know, a used furniture store and an as is store and, uh, but really good guy, and he um, he bought the place, and what wor- words he gave me that stuck with me, I think I was 26 when it all went down. He said, you're young enough to climb out, climb that tree, climb out on that limb, and if it breaks, you can climb up that tree and find another limb. Okay. I like and it. How old, how old was he at that time? I really don't, I really don't even know, you know? I still stay in touch with him. Um, That's awesome. He sold the furniture store and stuff like that, but um, sold a bunch of his cars that he had, and, you know, he's still going, but. Uh, it's important. I mean, just a guy that's not a family, not a particular friend, just someone that believed in you. And that's it. I love that. I absolutely I mean, love that. It, literally, it was just I painted. I painted um, three of his cars, and um, you know, he knew a bunch of the locals that you know I'm still close with here that I painted a bunch of their cars. And you'd be able to get business from. Yeah, and that's how it all. That's how it all started. And so he bought it, and I went there and started you know, doing my thing there. And I had another guy that I raced with that's, uh, he did a bunch of, uh, computer software and mm-hmm. he always, he's a lot older than me, but he always called me his little grasshopper. And he said, he would give me ideas. He said, I'll give you 30 days and you'll be out of the dealership. 
And I'm like, I just ain't gonna happen. I'm gonna work dealership and I worked the other place at night, just like normal. Yeah. And it was thirty days to the day. <laughs> and me and the dealership had a falling out because they actually wanted me to take my sign down because they said I was still in business from them. And oh wow, I was like, well, I got we got to part ways then. And I guess we got to go. Was this guy named Jesus by chance? He's yeah, like, I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm he, he has the. Uh, we still stay contact a pretty good bit, and he uh, he'll tell me different things. And he's he he. I guess he grew up kind of the same way, so he knew the, the outlook and the steps I was taking. And he's been dead on pretty much every time. I like this guy. I'm coming to Alabama. You're, you're yeah. first on the list. <laughs> well, I got to go Shannon first, then you, then I'm going to go see this guy. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a tremendous story. I love that. I love when someone believes in you and knows what you can do and they don't have any particular vetted interest in you, family or friend. I mean, that's, that's that was nothing. He was just making his, yeah. his interest off his money that he was letting me borrow. You know, it was too. all his idea. Yeah, you know, he's got to, he's got to, he's got to have some, some, you know, some, uh, yeah. I look at it as it made it a good point on me towards here's your payment. You're not getting it for free, you know, and you don't take it for granted, you know? Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the shop a little bit. Your team has won every single award imaginable, you know, SEMA awards, NSRA, good guys, shades of the past and more and multiple times with all of them. Even with all these notches on your belt, these achievements, what drives you? And is there something else that you have your eye on achieving, maybe? Duh, let's see. <laughs> There's a couple of different awards we still want to go for because, um, you know, everybody wants to do, do the Detroit deal. Yeah, the rhythm. Um, and um, Triple Crown's coming up. Yeah. We want to try to hit some of that. Um, I was all signed up to be a sponsor, go, and everything. I've missed my kid's birthday two years in a row. Oh, and I booked it without looking at the date. I think, okay, I'm going. And I signed up, talked to the show organizer. Great, a lot of fun. And I was excited because it's something different to do. And they pitched me on it. I like, okay, I'll go. I, I don't think I'm going to sell a damn thing, but I'm going because I was excited about the event. Yeah. And then after I signed up, paid, booked, plane ticket, the whole night, I look at the dates and I said, Dylan's going to kill me. So I pulled uh -huh. the plug on it. Yeah. I felt so bad. Oh, well, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, if I didn't do it to him two times in a row, you know, for work, because that's yeah. like busy season for me, September through it is, yeah. November is like nonstop, but yeah, we'll stay home. We got, um, you know, still some of the good guy stuff that, of the year stuff we want to hit, you know, um, some of the major ones that we wanted and we got. So we're very fortunate for that. But, um, you know, I think a lot of the awards are, are really good. Um, I try not to base everything off of that. Of course. Anymore, you know, because I, I, I like to be in surprise if we do get stuff. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, we're always still trying to hit them marks and getting awards, but uh, I, I don't want to take it for granted if we, you know, you. get them or don't, you know. And what's been your, is have you had a driving force or something that's motivated you from day one um, that's always pushing you to succeed? You know, what's that, what's that motivation for you day in and day out? I'd say just seeing a, a new car and a car out on the street. You know, keeping, keeping the industry going with the high rods and stuff like that. Um, that's been big for me cause I like to, I like to drive them. Um, so as soon as I can get them done, I try to, I try to drive them as much as I can before I have to turn them over, you know? So that's the, <laughs> you gotta test the, it. yeah. And, and I, I do, I test them towards, I, you know, I make them my daily driver, you know, 
weekends I'm going to go buy breakfast. So I sit through drive throughs uh, just to test, see if they're going to run hot. Um, yeah. And anything I can, but it's, it's mainly just to see a finished product and being able to drive it and enjoy it. Yeah. And park in Afghanistan far away from everybody else when you have to. I, I've got the mindset now of if something's going to happen to it, it can always be fixed to some degree. That's so what's um, a, a couple of bucks in some time. And yeah, and even towards the fact everything is going to break down to something, you know, it might, it might not. Um, short, quick story. I had one truck that we did for a young lady, um, and the wife had planned a beach trip. Same kind of weekend. Well, the, the weekend we was leaving the beach, there was a truck show in Atlanta, and C ten is in a city. And yep. I was like, well, I could drive this truck to the beach, and then I could get up early and leave the beach and drive straight to Atlanta. And then, um, then I can come back home that night. So the whole time I'm thinking, what do I need to pack? Cause this is still a new truck for us and I need to get this, I need to get that. And I'm just like, you know what? It's, I don't know what I'm going to need. So it'd be no different driving a brand new truck. I don't pack it full of tools. So yeah. if something happens, something happens and, you know, we'll figure it out then. So, but it all worked out. It's perfect trip. Went up there, hung out with some guys and then drove back home and put a good, I think almost a thousand miles on the truck in a couple of days. Damn it! I was waiting for like I had to wrap it around a tree. I had to stop. I <laughs> no, <laughs> that's the whole part. Is like I don't want to. I try not to worry about chips uh, breaking down because you never know. You can't. You can't never know when that stuff's going to happen. Anyway, yeah. You can't. Yeah. So just get out and enjoy them. All right. So all these things you're doing, you're, you're definitely not doing them on your on your own. Tell us about your team. How the you know members of your team, how the office works, how you know, kind of how you, how you guys conduct business on your daily, your daily grind over there. The, uh, that's to me, that was one thing, uh, backing up to like starting out in business. That was, I started out as just me and the wife. Right. And I had the mindset of I had to do all of it, you know, cause in the dealership, I did everything in the paint shop, you know, to, it got to the point where there was nobody over there other than me. And, uh, finally I learned I need somebody to do some stuff. So I finally hired one person. He did, he did one thing. And then it was a, it, it taught me that I need to delegate one person to do this, another person to do that, and start. I learned I need to build a team. And now I think we're right at 14 people, counting all of us. And, and here we've got, you know, just fab guys. You know, we've got, um, you know, I still do the painting, but I got body guys. I got prepping guys. And, you know, some of the prep guys can do the buffing. Um, final assembly guys, you know, now we got one major access it accept that he does fab work and now he's doing some of the interior stuff you know um office stuff i mean we've delegated enough to where we got a full great team and everybody's hitting different avenues throughout the the whole process you know but you've been working w with your wife since day one day one yep how, relationally not to not to you know now <laughs> keep any boundaries here like how in the world do you guys do that every day? You guys get along well? It doesn't impact you guys negatively or? Are we deleting it? No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> I, so no, we do. We do. We do great actually. Cool. Um, yeah, she, cool. and you know, she handles her part towards all the business part and everything. And our shop now, after, after the 10 years, we finally decided, you know, it will, I'll back up for a sec. In the middle of all the, the new, the old shop, we did collision work and hot rods. And finally, uh, I'd say within seven years of being there, we dropped all the collision work and went straight hot rods. Okay. 
So now the new shop is all hot rods, always has been, you know, but it's two separate buildings. So we have our paint shop, uh, our body shop, which is un- our paint body shops in one building. And then kind of next door is fab shop, showroom, you know, final assembly, uh, all that. Well, my main office is over in the body shop and her office is over in the showroom. So that might, <laughs> that might make things a little easier. It, it does, but you know, everything works out really good. Exactly. A lot of times it's a perfect fit. Um, you know, the answer you just gave a minute ago, when the hoggering hears that answer about you needing to get more team members, he's probably thinking I staged you st- staged that question and staged your answer. <laughs> Listen, boys, that was not staged. And I'm going to tell you why he's thinking it's staged because he and I have been having this massive debate and I mean massive. And I have a question down farther. We're going to do it right, right now. We could even touch on it later, but we're having this massive debate where I said a lot of these small mom and pop shops that are one man operations, one woman operations, it, it doesn't work. How in God's name can you possibly, if you're a busy shop, how could you do all your work every day, generate new leads, grow the business, take more work in, do your invoicing, do this, do that, clean up, still have time to eat and be a family man or you know, a mom or whatever the case, how the hell do you do it by yourself? The answer is you can't. You can't. So his answer is, well, you're going to upset a lot of people and we don't want to do that. And I agree because, I mean, the hoggering guys are the nicest people on the planet. Right. But I'm like, this. if you want to grow your business, 99 times out of 100, you're not doing it by yourself. I, I agree. You, you can't. And when I was by myself, if I could be in bed by 3 a.m., I was doing, I, that was my goal. And, and finally now it's, it's, you know, there's some late nights here and there. I mean, that's with anything, but literally, like you said, you can't, you can't do it all. You can't sit out there and work and, you know, then meet customers and then wash cars or clean cars and billing. And then, you know, call order parts. You got to have that team to make any of this grow or even happen. And let's just say you're Superman, you're one, one human being. How are you going to do, if if your goal is to do six cars a week, but as one person, you can only do two. It's yeah. not gonna, you're not going to miraculously add seven hours to your workday. Mm-hmm. What gets me is like you can have, you can have 15 cars in the shop. Well, if you got two people, you're still only generating the same amount of money because you're only working on two cars. Exactly. Whether you work on all 15 of them, you're only going to put in so many hours on each one of them. Exactly. Anyway, we're going to dive into that one on the next one because yeah. he and I have, <laughs> we've been fighting. He goes, we can't talk about this on the podcast because it might upset people. And I'm like, well, let me be the guy that upsets everyone because I don't give a damn. I'm going to yeah, upset think, it. And once you get upset, don't listen. Just so be I, real with it. Be real. Yeah. And let's, let's argue it back and forth. And he's okay. We'll do that. Mal. I just can't yeah. get, <laughs> I know him. He doesn't want it to get heated and we'll never get heated. I love him. And I, I hope he loves me. We've had a really good relationship, but he don't you have to. <laughs> I mean, you got to keep it. You got to try to, you got to push yourself a little bit. If someone else is pushing you and pissing you off at the same time. It could be the right advice. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I like as you never, uh, I don't there's some stuff you're going to hold back on, but you always don't want to have that what if. You know, what if I yeah. did this, you know, and you never done it, then it's never no. 100%. 100%. Okay. So it seems like we've been best friends for for 20 yeah. years, and that's what I'm feeling right now. Like, good, really good connection, great conversation. But everyone's going to want to get to know you a little better, including me. So we're going to have some fun. And I was surprised. I'm, I'm so glad you've listened to some of the some of the podcasts so I'm going to throw you on the NC rapid fire hot seat. Just fire okay. off some questions. You've heard it before. 
Give me quick answers. If you want to camp out somewhere because it's a lot of fun, go for it. But for the most part, quick answers. All right, you ready? We'll try this. All right, what's the square root of 81? Oh, don't do math now. Huh? Don't even <laughs> do math. The first that, one. So I'll to give to you. Make you laugh. That was just to make you laugh. That was like the dad uh, question. I'm always shooting them off at the kids. And I, I don't know what made me think of it. I'm writing the first question that pops in my head. I'll give you a quick one. So in through, I guess, a little bit of high school and all that, I was I, I would ace through math. Any kind of math, all that. Because I'd always average my grades just enough so I could pass any other class. Okay. But now I, I'm horrible at any anything, like school-wise. I was... <laughs> It was always easy for me, school for the most part, but when classes started getting hard and you stick with that, I'm not going to do my homework thing, it caught up. Yeah. So I hated it, but you know, I should have been an A student. I was a B student. My kids hear this, they're going to, Daddy, how could you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, sports and girls yeah. stop me from. Uh... <laughs> I was, I was the, I was the grease monkey and just working on cars. Okay. You know? yeah. That was it. I was. Said it's on terrible throwing balls, catching balls as much as humanly possible, and uh, and of course in high school girls and everything else. But all right, if you're having your last supper, what would it be, or where? Uh, well, uh, first two things that come to mind would be spaghetti or tacos. Okay, good way uh, to go. Yeah, <laughs> you, have a, you have a particular place, like your favorite place, or maybe your mom makes it. Like, who's what's your favorite meal? Who's making it? What is um, it? the wife's pretty good at spaghetti. Um, but I have a local place here, uh, probably 10 minutes that I actually ate today. Um, Speedy's. Speedy's? I'll give Speedy's a plug. Yeah, they do pretty good. Um, nice. So it was a quick, uh, they got my lunch break. I'm probably the, you know, customer of the month every month there, you know. <laughs> Hammer down some spaghetti and meatballs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. If you could have that dinner with one famous person, dead or alive, who would it be? Oh. So do you just go straight to your your old time crush? <laughs> you could. Uh, That's the next question. Who, okay, let's go. Let's do that. Who's your old time crush? That was the next. Um, question. I'd say back in the day, and a lot of people know about it. Probably Drew Barrymore. Yeah, there are a lot of guys yeah. like yeah. My friend Chris just, was thinking to her. I remember that. Yeah, so that would probably be the first one. I'll just go with whatever hits the mind first off. Okay, so dinner with Drew Barrymore. Right. Sure, sure. <laughs> are you a sports fan, or was it all just about all just about cars? A lot of racing, but I grew up and you had to be, you know, you had to pick which side in Alabama. So it's okay. going to be, you have to be rolled tight all the way. Okay. Al- yeah. Okay. <laughs> so favorite player on Alabama? I don't even keep up with players enough. I watch the games and, you know, the family's big on it, but I'm more big in racing. So, you know, I root for the team and keep up with a little bit of it. But names, it's like, I know that person. Cause yeah, I'm going through my sports encyclopedia here, and I'm obviously yeah. did not follow Alabama, but I know from watching an episode 30 for 30 when Bo Jackson and Auburn and Bear Bryant wanted yep. Bo Jackson to come, but he said he may not even play, and he really pissed off Bo, and Bo put it on you but, guys and beat Auburn, beat Alabama for the first time in decades. Wow, oh, you got to bring all that up. Huh? I was is that a good little digging. Yeah, the good old jab. Yeah, dig it in deep. Now that the whole Alabama Auburn deal is a. Uh, it is a big deal. Anytime we get somebody new in the shop, it's like, all right, you, even if they move here, he's like, you got to pick which one you're going to be. Yep. You better pick Alabama now because Auburn's been useless. Oh, that's that's right. the only way you go. Yeah, so no choice. That's part of like a checklist on their uh, resume, you know, which one do you pick? Yeah. I mean, Saban is unreal. He's been dominating for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, we already talked about, can't do that. We talked about that. 
Okay, let's jump to the I car. See, Stop yeah. screwing around with all these sports <laughs> questions. Um, what car era do you prefer? 1940s or 1950s? Oh. I'd say 40s. I do the same. Yeah, 1940s 40. or 1960s? Ooh. I'm going to go with 60s. Agreed. Yeah. 60s or 70s? Well, you should keep going up. I'll go 70s. Yeah, I'm going to stick with 60s. Okay. I got the muscle uh, car stuff. Yeah. And then, all right, so 70s or 80s? I'm going to go 80s because I'm... No, I'm because each year, I've the only reason I'll go to the 80s is um, third gen Camaros, and oh yeah, and the the C10 trucks. I've got. We can't be friends anymore. The 80s was it, brutal. It was like seven horsepower and the most I, powerful. Well, car. I'm looking at this because what we can we can modify them to do now. Yeah. Not not if I was going back to what they had did you, then. Did you have like a nasty mullet and like a oh, you know, no, I was, Mustang I was, or no? I was a big uh, I was a big skateboarder. So. Okay. BMX and skateboard, so I had to still got the swoosh and all that stuff. All right, so your skateboarding was 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 a hobby. Oh yeah, nice. All right, yeah, all but right. I just look at it as those are cars I grew up with. So I, each time I work my way up, that's what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> all right, are you a Corvette guy or no? Uh, no, I, no. Me neither. No. But I could tell you what upsets me, and I think I'm in the minority on it. I think the C9 looks like they ripped off a Ferrari, and I don't yeah. like it. Are you into I, it or? Not really. I don't. I don't study them enough. I just look at them and say, "Okay, that's a Corvette." Yeah. I will say they got some crazy technology behind it. Um, yeah. Towards even how they'll raise up, and you can hit GPS, and it'll automatically do it because it m remembers it through GPS. I mean, it's some crazy stuff, but yeah. Not um, not one of my favorites if i had to go yeah. buy one i use all the craze over it but they're killing it they're absolutely yeah they are they're, they're killing it because you get a hundred thousand dollar supercar versus going out and having to spend on you know uh cars that competes with you know ferrari or a lambo it's pretty impressive i, I uh, tell a lot of people that come up and they're like hey i could go you know they'll want to build a car and it's going to be you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and they're like well i could go buy a ferrari i could buy this you know corvette or i could do lambo this and that and it's like yeah but you, I always picture as you drive up to the valet and you're going to valet, you know, your, you know, 69 Camaro or something like that, or you're going to pull up in your Lambo. I think you're going to get more attention out of your, your muscle car than right. a Lambo. And if you want to make it custom, you can't, you're not customizing a Lambo other than the car. No. Well, yeah, that's it. Yep. If, I know it's probably a lot, but if you can narrow it down to a handful of tools that get used the most in your shop, what would they be? Throughout both shops, um, standing blocks over here, hardly any DA stuff, uh, bead rollers, planching hammers, and grinders, hand grinders. Okay. So yeah. well, my point was, I'm sure you're well-heeled. I knew you were going to say something along those lines. You're well-heeled <laughs> technology-wise, and still the handheld tools are getting yeah. the most action. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, and like I said, there's a lot of computer stuff out there and all that, but still forming stuff out of metal and all that towards like a lot of our engine base and all that it's it's forming metal and then grinding and, and welding you know 69 charger or 70 hemi cuda hmm. i'll go to the seven uh no i'm gonna go to 69 
I'm a Charger guy. I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a Mach, not... yeah. Mach 1 guy too, but I love Dukes of Hazzard growing up. That was my jam. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> oh, completely. But yeah. I don't do, a, we don't, it's like we've got a bad rush of Mopars and Dodges in here right now. Hmm. So I'm having to wrap my head around those and, okay. you know, kind of get used to them and fill them out and go from there. Yeah. The Mach 1s, I think, were all my all-time favorite muscle car, but the Charger, before I die, I got to get one of those things somehow. So oh, yeah. It's going to be a rust bucket because they're a billion dollars still, but um, if you're building a custom car, favorite car, col- favorite car color that you've ever done, combo-wise, interior to paint, what was that combo? Um, ooh, go down the line. It's hard to narrow them down to one. Uh, was it Impala that you did with that blue and the red interior? I won't say that was. If I had, if I had to throw three of them out there, because I always kind of go off a of gut, like first thing it pops in your head. Yeah, the Impala was one um, for Poteet that we did. Um, actually, it was a cat, '60s Cadillac color. We did a black top and a red interior uh, that Eminem did all of it. Um, that one. Um, that was naughty. And I don't like red interiors, but the red with that blue was just magic. It worked it, perfect. It was a a weird combination that it's just like, well, we'll try it and see. You know, if it works, it works. And um, Oh, another one just popped up. I'd say our VW Bug that we did like a brown with blue, blue interior. That was a... That was a wild card, and the you know we pulled up some colors, and the customer we presented it to him, and he was like, you know what, I think I think that'll work. Brown and blue is beautiful either way. But he no one said, does no one does no. the brown paint. That's that's different. Yeah. He was like, you know, if it doesn't work, we'll redo it. I was like, sounds good. <laughs> sounds good to me. We'll discount it. Yeah, you know, we'll yeah. Do it twice. Uh, that I'd right. say that you know those are probably the. Some of the big ones, that and the giveaway truck that we did for good guys. I really liked the gray interior with Cato did in it and the, the yeah. blue and the white, you know, so. Would you rather be comfortable in a car oh. or would you rather be fast in a car? I, oh, wow. Comfortable. And the only reason I'd say that now, I'll, oh, that is a tricky one there. Um, the only reason I'd say is because so the van we just finished, um, it's a van. Your 69 Dodge van, you're sitting in the windshield, you're sitting straight up. It's hard to feel cool sitting in it. <laughs> and then the 67 Camaro we just finished, it's fast, but I sit really good in it. I'm comfortable and I feel good. It makes me feel good in it. So I can cruise in it and do speed limit or whatever, and I feel good. Yeah. See, I don't have a hobby car. So for me, if I'm going to get a hobby car, I, I, I want whiplash every time I drink. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you had a, let me rephrase. Do you have a bucket list? And if so, what's on it? Um, the cars you don't like? Not even cars, just a bucket cars? list in general. Do you have a bucket list? Um, I'm, I've gotten big on traveling some. Um, I would say... And it's just weird things, seeing like certain bridges that are known for certain, you know, that's been there forever was one of them that I missed out a couple of years ago. Um, all the oddball um, landmarks, you know, that'd be a small, a small bucket list. Certain cars I want to build for myself because I don't have any um, or bucket list, but 
Really? That's, um, growing up, I didn't do a lot of traveling or getting out to see stuff. So now going in and doing shows and stuff like that, those are bucket lists is seeing different states and seeing landmarks and stuff like that. Yeah. In a beach house. Put a beach house on there. Put that beach house is always fun. <laughs> All right. If you can tell us about changing gears completely, we're, we're off the hot seat. We're done. That was fun. Right. I, I, I had more too, but that's that, that we, we nailed it pretty good. Um, if you could tell us about the Good Guys Next Generation Award and Goolsby's involvement, I think people would be interested in hearing about that. Um, so towards Next Gen, uh, we got we teamed up with Good Guys, and the way it works is we're trying to promote the youth in the industry to keep the industry alive with hot rods. The thing is, most of these guys are the the age for now is you know eighteen to thirty is what we're allowing to be in right. a Next Gen. So a lot of them, you think about it, they, they grew up in the 80 model car. I mean, that's an old car for them. They ain't grown that, but that's, you know, old for them. Yeah. So every good guy so, show, um, we have a, a designated parking area for the next generation and they sign up, they park in there. We go and we pick two out of all of them that are there and we pull them out, park them in front of the merchandise rig for good guys or, you know, a good open area for everybody to see them. And we put them across good guys' uh, social media on their stories on vote, which one do you like? You know, which one do you think's, you know, your favorite build? It could be a primered beat up car that they just primed just to get out there to make the show to something somebody's done a lot of work on that's, you know, painted nice and, you know, motor and everything. So we'll let social media vote. I get a vote and good guys gets a vote um, just so we can wash social media if we need to because we've seen some crooked stuff happen and because uh, we get to hear the story from these people, you know, how they got in the industry, what's their plans, what's their plans with the car, they, you know, did somebody just buy them this car, all that stuff. And we will pick one winner out of every show and they become a finalist. And at the end of the year, we pick one grand prize winner. We take them to Scottsdale and we put them on top of the hill with all the of the year winners. Oh, wow. You know, get them a toolbox just like all the of the year winners and introduce them to, you know, as many people as we can in the industry because I look at it, that's why, I, like, if I had to back up, I got to go to SEMA one year and got to go to the banquet, and I walk in there and I was starstruck because I got to see all these yeah. heavy hitters that were, you know, right. I always looked up to. So get them, they win, we take them to the show, set them up on top of the hill. And so they're getting networking on top of the recognition for their work and the yeah. whole package. Yep. So that just, that's a, how we're involved. They're trying to keep the industry going, you know, and I've met a lot of good, I'd say kids uh, or young adults, men and women that have done some killer stuff to cars. And I know some of them have, I've got some really good stories from them. Uh, some owns a dealership up in Ohio now. Um, One's starting to open his own business and, you know, and I stay in touch with a lot of them, especially through social media or just text and calling, you know? Right. But the main, main objective is to just keep them, keep the industry alive with, um, you know, as young people as we can. The question we touched on before about, you know, you, you brought it up. It was money. This is the question that was literally going to ask you about that as far as going from a one-man operation into bringing people in to help you. 
And this is really helping you out, isn't it? This yeah, is perfect. Let's roll right into this one. Uh, that, and by, yeah, this is helping me out big time. Yeah. But uh, half of this question was from Tim Robinson in Gateway Customs uh, in Montana. And he kind of spearheaded that question in a way. He wants to know, like, what the tip was there a tipping point transitioning from a mom and pop to a big production operation? Like, how did you take it from, okay, I'm going to bring some people in to help me, but what's a tipping point to sending us into full production? on you know more than one car at a time so to speak um really because you you always got to have more cars because you never know when that one person is going to pull or say something tragic happens to him or something like that and that car automatically stops so if you're banking all everything on that one car and something happens and it stops then you have nothing to fall back on so if you've got multiple cars going then you have multiple people there they're generating money Say one car stops, then you can put that person on another car. You, it's easy to get uh, to a point where you're taking in more than you can actually handle. Right. Well, you you're know. 14 now. You didn't jump to 14 right away. No, and and so you got you. you I've learned a lot. You know, it's hard to say no to a lot of people, but you know, if they want you to do the work, they'll wait. You know, and and if you you can't do the work, then they go somewhere else. It really doesn't matter because you couldn't do it anyway. You're you're too busy with what you got now. Right. So you put them on a wait list and if you know, if they're legit people, they'll wait on you. Um but it was just you you can't have you can't put all your bank in one in one car in case that person pulls, you know. So it was stepping stones to multiple cars, multiple people, um, then, you know, people handling office to keep stuff generating yeah taking that plunge bringing in more people to help you did it keep you up at night knowing like geez i've been functioning here and making okay living with seven of us <laughs> let's go to 10 let's go to 12 let's go to 14 i mean did that worry you uh the biggest thing was because once you hire all them you actually hire their family because you're you're supporting their family you know because if you fail then you've you know you've let the whole their whole family down yeah um and the more people you get, you know, if you got a bigger shop and you got to pay the bills, well, you've got a certain amount of money you got to actually make to be able to make the business work. So that, that starts on how many people you're going to have also, you know. So at the end of the day, it's believing in yourself, know what you're capable of and um, strapping your balls on real tight and going. Oh, uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's for literally going out there and just hustling and getting it done, you yeah. know. All right. Design fascinates me for a few reasons. One. I can't draw, and I'm not artsy at all. I'm an idea man, I'd like to think. I, I could come up with some decent ideas, I suppose, but that's it. It's just not in my wheelhouse, and I wish it was. Take us through if you have one, or it's just randomized, whatever. Whatever your design process is, even if it, from when you started back then till now, has there been a big change? Have you done things the same way? What's your design process like? Right now, it has it's changed dramatically towards, you know, back then we didn't have, we had them, but we didn't know nothing of them or, but doing renderings is big for us. Um, the customer, we try to steer them in a way that it's a car that we're happy to build uh, because everybody builds cars to a certain design and you just got to make sure you got that customer that works with you. Yeah. Um. So first thing is we'll ask them, you know, what's the purpose of even doing this car? You know, why did you want this car or, you know, so, any kind of questions like that. And 
you know, what color does, what's their favorite color? What do we stay away from? You know, uh, pick their brain on stuff. Cause some people, you know, they hate blue, you know, but, um, they seen one, you know, one car that we've done and that's, that's all they know is we won't, we want that car again, but we want to build the car for them, not recreate same one, yeah. same one for, you know, you're just building somebody else's car. Yeah. So we'll pick their brain on everything. Um, we'll get with our rendering guys and, um, you know, we'll start throwing ideas at him. He'll draw it all up for us. And uh, we'll finally get to a point where we're happy with two or three of them and we'll submit them to the guy and say, Hey, look, this is, you know, we think this is our best outcome. This is what we need to go. This is the way it needs to look. Um, it'll stay timeless. Um, even some of the stuff that they don't like, we'll do them in those colors or whatever, if we think it's appropriate, because they don't know that it would look good in that color, you know, or something like that. So, uh, it's, it's picking their brain and knowing the dislikes and likes and, and then we'll put it all on paper and then just kind of surprise them with what car they like. Yeah. Okay. When you have subbed out interior work over the years, whether it was M&M, Speed and Design, Cato, I'm sure there's been others. Who is coming up with that design? Like, how do you loop those guys in if that car is getting sent out to, you know, M&M or, you know, Gil, whoever. Yeah, whoever. Yeah, like uh, how do you, how does that work? Me and Ben will sit down and kind of go over a lot of design because we think the interior has to fit the car. You know, it, it can't have a, it just, it's got to fit the same era, the same, you know, package, everything, um, and not stand out to where all you notice is just the interior or just the outside of the car. You want it to be a full package. So me and Ben will sit down and kind of go over stuff, come up with some good ideas on colors, some designs here and there. Um, we'll kind of put stuff together and we'll do renderings on them again and multiple renderings. Cause it's, to me, it's, it's a lot cheaper to pay that rendering guy versus going out there and start over winging it yeah um i'm all about winging certain things but painting a car or you know full interior stuff like that i think it takes a lot more planning and and renderings are easy um it's worth spending the money to do that um you have multiple ideas you can see you know some things you think that are great and you put them on paper and you actually see it they're horrible yeah um so to me renderings all day long i mean that helps you get that vision and Big thing, you can hand it to the customer and say, hey, look, here's what we got, and surprise them with it. Right. Who, who does your renderings? Tavis Highlander? Do you have somebody else you use? Um, Eric Black and Eric Brockmeyer do a lot of them. So, okay. I'm not familiar with those guys. Are they local to you? or No, uh, actually, Eric Black's we've done a lot with. He does a lot of the good guy stuff. Uh, I mean, Eric Brockmeyer does. Um, Eric Black, he's, uh, I would say more to scale on a lot of stuff. Um, so if we're going to do a bunch of chopping stuff up or moving fender wells or um, changing body lines and stuff like that, it's easier to do it with Eric Black uh, just for the reason he can give us exact proportions. Um, Eric Brockmeyer gives us a really good um, overall look of the car mm-hmm. uh, and and we can build off of it. But right. Eric Black gives us tire sizes and all that and we can kind of see a perfect vision on something that we're crazing it. Cutting up like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dave Voss from Customs by Voss. Uh, Of course, I ask people for advice a lot of times on questions, and sometimes I don't. In this case, I wanted to because I just wanted to really do you justice on this. 
He's got a two-prong question. So Dave said, where do you see the hot world? Sorry. Where do you see the hot rod world going in the next 10 years? Next 10 years? Um, I know the electric stuff will pick up a lot. I know. Um, but I think heavy right now is everybody's driving them like crazy. Everybody's wanting to build high-end cars and travel in them. Um, so I think 10 years from now, comfort's still there. Drivability is, to me, I think it's going to peak even higher. Comfort is a a no-brainer to me. It's got to, for me, I want it to sit good. Um, Driving them, to me, everybody's wanting to drive them. And I think that's going to be the biggest thing, you know. You know, if you... Paint, Paint it or not, you know. I mean, discomfort, if you're taking road trips or doing this or doing that, I don't see a lot of guys out there taking older... I don't know, RVs or campers and really quote unquote, pimping them out, so to speak. I don't see, you know, guys across the country, big time guys that are getting hired and posting pictures of doing RVs and campers and like van conversions. Now we have companies and customers that do the van conversions, which is great, but how come we're not seeing that? Cause if, you know, the on the road again, things have been happening right since COVID a lot of guys are doing road trips and family trips on the road versus flying. How come we're not seeing shops converting these, you know, underpowered, uncomfortable campers, so to speak? How come they're not getting? How come they're not getting customized more? Um, I think because everybody's got their own niche of what they do. So you know, they let the people that are doing them just let them have them <laughs> and do them. I'm gonna yeah. stick with my hot rods and you know make them drivable and comfortable comfortable i get it i, I always was always, always of, of of the belief too like a limousine would be so much fun pimped out with a monster motor and super cozy seats and just cruise around with your friends and have fun yeah but it never happens it you know and and that, i think that's where everybody draws their line on what they want to do and that makes it to where it might sound cocky on my end but we we're fortunate to we're fortunate enough to turn down stuff if that's just not what we want to do you know yeah i'm sure there's shops out there that want to build limo i would just lo- i would love <laughs> to see like a 60s era jfk limo oh yeah I completely so in the hands of someone like you or a builder or even just a you know like the, joe martin some someone that's got great vision and is going to put power behind it and comfort behind everything just make it cool it's a huge canvas i don't understand oh, yeah. why the huge canvases are not more prevalent that was always you know, my thing. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of paint and a lot of metal. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. But I mean, it is more, it's different. a lot more money too. Yeah. A lot of people, that's one of them where people have to step out of the box and, and do it. And then, you know, cause when nobody sees it, nobody tries it, you know? Yeah. The first ones, these things start rolling in. I want royalties kids. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, now part two of Dave's question is how and where do you value the interior part of the build compared to the rest of the car? I value it. I'd say right up there with the outside look of the car and the stance. Um, So interior, the outside, outside paint body stance is to me really close to equal. And then you go to engine bay. Um, Engine bay is, you know, because if you walk up, I look at it as you're going to, if it looks good from a distance, uh, the stance and the, you know, just the overall look, that's going to draw you in. And the first thing you do is look inside. 
So to me, um, interior is right there with overall outside appearance. Okay. What I think Dave might be getting at, because Dave is, you know, a lights out interior guy, one of the best there is. Oh yeah. Is the interior guys often are, are left with the short end of the stick. They want, people want to pay them the, the least, which is dumb because they have oh, as much yeah. time, they have more time in the car probably than anybody else. But so I think that's where he was going with it. I'm guessing. Uh, no, I, I get it. Cause like, I'll look at fab shop always takes the longest, you know, then it turns to paint shop and you know, it all depends on schedules and hurrying and stuff like that. Sometimes the fab shop goes over on certain things because some didn't work out and you got to start over on something or anything like that. Um, then paint shops got to try to somewhat make up on it. Yeah. You know, some of that time, well then it, it just, like they said, this shit trickles downhill. <laughs> you yes. know, the interior guys kind of <laughs> try to catch up more, but and it's all, you know, the more time you can give the interior shop, the better project you're going to get. Same thing with paint shop and fab shop. So, yeah. um, I do think interior is probably one of the, it's, it's just as important as the outside look of the car. Right. You guys have a really strong digital presence from your website to Instagram and even the e-newsletter. How big is your operation and how do you tackle this digital presence? Do you guys do it in house? Do you sub it out? Um, we have a little over 30,000 square foot here and that is me running around with my phone trying to take as many pictures and videos and stockpiling them to be able to do all the social media. Yeah. That's a lot um, of stuff to paint. Yeah. So that's, and then I actually have my brother works with me and he does all the, uh, all the newsletters. He takes a lot of the pictures to keep the website going. Fresh. Um, so he keeps up with pictures like that. So all that is in-house. Okay. Me and my brother running around, me bitching at him because he took a stupid picture. And, uh, <laughs> and all this with enough time to make sure you get good spaghetti and meatballs. Yes, exactly. A lot of, a lot of tasks. So spaghetti heats up in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> if you could rewind the clock a little bit and kind of remember what it was like getting your start, because a lot of the guys that listen to this show, we got a lot of newbie audience, I feel like, or young audience. Outside of hustle and hard work mindset, what are some of the key bits of advice you can give a new shop getting started and getting to that next level of being more than a one-person shop? Uh, so first off, probably take your time. Don't jump into it. Um, I have a lot of shops that, that I feel kind of weird that they actually call and ask certain things, but it's, you know, you know, I see what they're doing, you know, they're coming up and, you know, maybe they think we've got it figured out, but we're always learning new steps. Um, taking your time and not jumping out there and getting yourself in stupid debt, you know, um, slowly work your way up, uh, you know, save money here and there when you can, and then buy that new piece of machinery that you need or that equipment or tools. I get that you have to have a, some stockpile of money to get started. And I think we had, I had $5,000 when we got started. Luckily that body shop that we bought had a paint booth and a compressor yeah, um, and a frame machine. Um, but really don't overwhelm yourself. Um, be smart on what you take in. Um, cause you can say yes to a lot of stuff and then all you're doing is starting to piss off a lot of customers cause you can't, you don't have enough people there to work on all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the biggest things and being upfront with a customer, um, 
you know, keep them in the loop on stuff. You know, all those things I learned, especially doing collision work, we would take in so much and we're staying there killing ourselves night and day. You're, you're, you know, taking jobs in to be able to just make a buck. Um, and by the end of the day, you really probably broke even on it. Mm. And I always told myself, you know, I'd rather sit on the couch and make no money versus busting my ass and make no money. Yes. hundred percent. So it's, it's really being smart and not overwhelming yourself because you don't know how to say no to everything walking in the door. You got to get, you got to get what you're worth too. I think that's a big part of it. Yes, completely, completely. Yeah. I remember my uncle had a saying, you know, if someone can't afford something, that's fine, you know, or if someone can, but they're going to penny pinch and go with an inferior service or an inferior product or inferior support, other than good. If I don't get you now, I'll get you later. That's fine. Yeah. It's true because you're going to make that one, you're going to make that mistake one time buying from someone where there's no support, no help, no honor, no ethics, just to save, you know, maybe 10, 15%. You're never going to get burned like that again once you get burned. You just yeah. you're not going to set yourself up for that. So it may take, you may get a short-term loss, but you're going to get a long-term gain if you know you're better than the guy next to you. So yeah, get what you're worth. I believe in now, like reaching out and talking to people. Like nowadays the podcasts are huge because like you said, what you're doing, you can explain it. People can watch and listen. Yeah. Hell, I mean, you can reach out to social media and say, hey, you know, can you give me a call? I had a few questions on this or that. So right. Um, don't be shy to reach out and ask somebody, you know, so you, so you don't get yourself put in a hole. Yeah. It's a lot of times just, you don't always want to spend the most on something just to spend the most, but no. you know, you need support, you know, you need help and you're getting a million people telling you the same thing. You know, listen to your gut and listen to those people because well, yeah. they've already been through those battles. That's the thing. We've already, we, you know, helping you through all this because we've already felt, you know, felt all the pain. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. One of your more high profile builds of 2022 was that 69A108 van, Vantasy van. Fantasy. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, what were some of the challenges you faced with this project, if there was any, um, that were kind of out of the ordinary? And how did you overcome them? Because it's different. That van is definitely different than a, you know, uh, a seven a Cuda that you've probably done five exactly. times or a Camaro. So this is probably a new kind of this territory. Is I'm guessing completely. This is that stepping stone that you step out of that, kind of like your limo. <laughs> See that? Yeah. Yep. Um. Uh. That thing started out. At, believe it or not, that was probably one of the biggest builds towards amount of square footage in that thing towards bodywork was a big deal because we welded up all the seams uh, we made all the windows pop out we ended up putting a send it to Rocher shop had them scan it uh had a fast track chassis put under it uh, so if anything probably bodywork i would say was probably the biggest thing you know tackling everything to get it painted uh just because so much square footage and how big it was how long um and just making that perfect canvas for all that. So this, everything this else thing have the good. most hours in it of anything you've done. This is going to be this will fall under our probably second most expensive build we've ever done. Damn it! What was the first one? Because I figured this had to be it. It's still going. Okay, so we got we got it. Oh, can, ooh, can we drop it, please? Nah, not right now. <laughs> Hold on, Jonathan. <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> was I warm on my limo and RV concept? Just about like, are we in the kitchen at least, like near the oven? No, maybe a 
quarter of the size. <laughs> All right, quarter of the size. Yeah, the the our big project we've been on it for a good. It was actually at the old shop, and that's probably been about a good seven or eight years ago. So somebody out there knows what's in that old shop. Call me. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of people to call. Let me know what it is because I'm <laughs> dropping it somewhere. We're gonna get there. You keep dropping clues. I'm. Yeah. We're gonna break the. We're gonna break the. Uh, break the story on this. But it's for a nice young lady. So, put you that far. Jeep Wrangler, but that that's not work. No, no. A Suzuki Sidekick would be work to get it working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, you teamed up with the roaster shop, and you just mentioned them before on a 70s Chevelle build. What was involved with teaming up with them? And is there any sneak peek into behind the scenes on how you guys work together, how the relationship came together? What could you tell us about working with the roaster shop, guys? The uh, roaster shop, we, we've been pretty much with them since day one. Our first big build that we ever done, um, we seen a Chevelle, and it was recently once they had started, kind of the brothers had bought in. So we seen we were doing a Chevelle too, and we reached out to him. We had a local customer said, "Hey, I want here's a Chevelle. I want built, and um, you know, kind of do what you want to do." And I was like, "Well, we we think we need to do this chassis, you know." And we didn't know much about Roach Shop, so we reached out to them, got it. Um, the relationship started there. We've been with them every ever since. If there's twenty cars in a shop, probably eighteen of them have chassis under them. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a real good relationship with them. We believe in their product. Um, I think that's a lot with a lot of the vendors. Yeah. You know, you got a good relationship with them. It's easy to call them up and, you know, we're all going to screw gotta, up, right? It's how you make up. Oh, it's wrong. Exactly. That's, you know, it, nothing's going to be perfect. So, right. Hey, this bracket didn't work here. What can we do? And, um, so working with them has always been really good. Uh, great actually. So communication wise towards, we can call them anytime. We can meet up to, to uh, you know, deliver a chassis. We've painted a couple cars for them. Uh, the Chevelle was one that we were trying to do for SEMA right through all the COVID stuff. <clears throat> and that COVID messed everything up, so it got kind of put off. And then finally we got it all done. Um, they did most of the body work. We fine-tuned a little bit of it. Yeah. Um, they've got a good team up there. And... We sprayed it and buffed it out and put some of it together. They did final assembly, and it's always just been really good working with them on that stuff. You know, so it was easy. Like you're not fighting over an idea, or a concept. Or, okay, it's just because they've got their renderings. They know how it's got to be, and you know, we just you know paint. You know, that's all it is. They already got it figured out. So you know, there might be some ideas, yes, here and there, but we do. We work really good together. We have really similar ideas uh there was one year that we actually we did a chevelle and they did a camaro and just so happened they were the exact same color and the trim was the exact same color and uh oh God. <laughs> the only thing different was the interior was a different color and um i had the car at the interior shop and or at m&m and they actually i think they had posted some pictures and uh phil had sent me a sent me a text and he said, your car better not have these color stripes on it. And I was like, holy shit. And I sent him a picture of ours had the same color stripes, but a different design. <laughs> That's so awesome. we, you know, we both debuted them at Columbus sitting side by side because they were just, 
you know, cookie cutter, but we've always done good and been real close on design and stuff like that. Wow. That's a, that's, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. Um, crazy coincidence too. Same time, same show, yeah. everything. Okay. Um, I, I'm guessing I know the answer here, but are you competitive? Very. Yeah. 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 You're yeah. pretty chill. Like I'm obviously more high strung than you are. You're more laid back. I could see there's a competitive. I can, I can get high strung. I try not to let it get, get it going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you can't get where you are without being competitive, and that's kind of where I'm oh, yeah. heading with this. So I think, personally, competition and being competitive is at the core of greatness, and I think that's what it takes to really take yourself as a, you know, as a father, a friend, a family member, or businessman, whatever the case, to the next level. Exactly. And I want to get on like a societal thing. And I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I think over the last 20 years, our society has adapted a participation trophy mentality. Oh, yeah. And that erodes greatness. It destroys competitive nature and it promotes complacency. What do you think? Uh, I think people need to like suck it up and understand that, you know, if there's a top five and you make it into five and you have a winner, if you didn't make the top five, then just you know, try and try again, you know, don't, you don't get the participation trophy, you know, go, you know, that's the competitive part about it. You don't go in there to want them some, like you don't go in there to save for the Riddler. You don't go in there to build, I'm going to build a grade A car. You're going there to build a Riddler car. You know, I want to build the top car. And then if that doesn't make it, then you go and you build another one. That's going to be that. I don't want to, I don't like the idea of like, okay, it's not a beauty pageant and everybody gets a trophy, you know? Yeah, there's times and places where finishing second, third, or tenth is is an amazing achievement. That's not what we're saying here, but at the end of the day, this this country, I think, and the world is getting less and less competitive. But there's there's countries out there and people out there that are going to stay ultra competitive, and you're going to get you're just going to get blown by. That's it. You're going to get blown away while you're you know coddling your kid or coddling yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't like getting beat at anything. I, I, I don't either. I mean, that's, I'm very competitive and yeah. you, know, you win some, you lose some as part of exactly. it, you know? Exactly. Well, this is great, man. I think we could like, you know, pretty much become <laughs> friends right now. Pretty easy. That, we agreed on yeah. most things, you know, your eighties love for eighties, eighties car love, or that's, that's a problem. But other than I, that, I'll, I'll tell you, they are to me, I, I've built the Mustang for, the Fox body for good guys. That was my hardest car. And I thought it would be the easiest car. So I dread building any of those eighties. Okay. Charge um, more. And we, it was, it was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and you give them the, I don't want to do it price. Well, those are the cars. Those are some of them bucket list cars that I want to do okay. just because I grew up in those. Yeah. Um, I got one is, uh, you know, the, I'm building them. Actually, the giveaway truck was one of my bucket list ones that I wanted to build to get it out of my system. Uh, it didn't. It didn't work. So okay. I've done bought another cab to start my own on that eventually. Um, but yeah, some of those are just bucket list cars down the list to try to do. You know, got to do it. Yeah. Well, listen, I had a great time, but there's one thing I want to ask you, and it may up, end up on the cutting room floor. <laughs> I don't want anybody's feelings. 
but I have to ask you because I'm I'm big on relationships, love relationships. I I've said it a thousand times. People get sick of me. My hands don't work as far as being technical. I don't have a technical mind. I'm not a fixer. My wife fixes everything in the house. I'm I'm like a useless useless male. Um, I'll put it that way. But over the years, you meet guys in the industry that you like. Sometimes it goes beyond like you love them, and guys you would go to war with. Outside of, of course, the guy who essentially put you in business, which we already know, which was totally plays in this question as well. Anyone else out there that maybe fit the bill of description I just gave? Someone you go to war with and you just love and that you're real tight with? Oh, um, you don't want to piss people off either by only naming a few, you know? Yeah, that's that that's that's automatic pissing people off. Oh, people are gonna be livid. <laughs> I had to throw it out there because I love I lists. To, like I like hard much more lists. About. I like you know, groupings. That's, um, hmm. That's one of them you have to think about for a minute, you know? You got a line of people there. Who do you pull? Yeah, I can get emotional real quick, Jonathan. So oh. we'll, do, we'll throw the emotion in. You want to cry a little bit? We'll get a tissue box. We'll get it up. We'll get it going. Uh, you, it's like drawing a blank. Who do you, who do you pull? Um, I, I, I think the most shocking for me, and because I'm actually a customer, uh, is the hog ring guys. I have gotten so close with those guys, and I just like them. Anytime I come out with something, I tell them, of course, they're going to promote it. That's their job, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but I just like those guys, ethical, honest, um, great to deal with, and, you know, we have great conversations, and, you know, and we're going to we're gonna go to battle on that on the, mm. one of these episodes not too, not too far away. We're gonna, You're we're just gonna sucking up. You're sucking up because you need them extra people that you're talking about. For what? <laughs> for oh, for, yeah. No, no, no. They, 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 the hog ring, he's, he, I think he's more likable than me. He's, the, the, I think, like the sweetest man on the planet where I heard a fly. Nadim is one of the, one of the brothers. But, uh, yeah, man, he's, he definitely thinks different. He's a writer, right? So he's right. a deep thinker too. So I may, this debate, I may get my, you know, my head handed to me, but I, I'm not going to change my stance. Um, if I had to throw it out there business wise, um, Somebody to, if I needed uh, stuck in a bind or something like that, I'd give it to Ben. He's a he's a go to for me. If I'm stuck in a bind or he if I need something done, uh -huh. he's he's always been there. So I'll I'll give that part to him. Yeah, I'm not going to say too many more. I'm not getting myself in trouble. I start picking out. <laughs> I'm just talking about customers that have become friends. There's a couple guys that literally are not customers, and I like them more than you know most. And it just yeah, becomes like guys that have just met, whether it's at a a show or because I'm with Cato a lot or, you know. There's so many different angles you can take. I got, I got one customer that I'm going to war and it's going to be a big war. He's got a lot of guns. I'm going to him. Yeah, business-wise, I'm going to pick Ben. And, you know, then I have a bunch of people that if I was out in the streets and we're at a car show, I've got a bunch of buddies that, I've, you know, that have shops that. Oh, yeah. I've, that have my back and we're partners, you know, thousands of rounds of ammo at their disposal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a, <laughs> I think every situation deserves a, a, a certain person to pull out and be on your army. You know, it, it wouldn't be a good episode if I didn't put you on the, on the spot about something. Yeah. Um, that was a good one though. That was a good. <laughs> that one, makes though. you like, think now, get some now I'll think about it. Yeah. If they start sending texts, Hey, just want to let you know, I love you. Yeah. Uh, you know, get the, you get got the emotional juices flowing. It's good for you yeah. once it in a is, while. Yeah. It is right, buddy. Yeah, the thing is, reach out to everybody. Yeah. Well, listen, Jonathan, I had a great time. You're a tremendous guest, and uh, I hope we get to know each other better 
as the years go on. And, Most definitely. Uh, thanks for coming out with me. I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for listening in today, everybody. If you learned something new and liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe for more NC Shop Talk. Do me a favor and help us grow this sucker. Share this show on your social media feeds and with anyone else who'd love to hear it. Thanks for giving us a listen. And until next time, remember to get out there and make it happen.